0: Perfectionism is a seductive narrative that can easily convince us that if we only reach or become X, Y, and Z, we'll finally be happy, successful, and satisfied. Unfortunately, not only will being perfect acquire you none of those things, but the path to perfection can even lead to disastrous failure. In this podcast, I'll break down the manipulative appeal of perfectionism and explain how three words can lead to more fulfillment, productivity, and happiness in your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to the You Are What You Think podcast. I'm Daniel Ludovig, and as a professional coach, I help people live their best lives by becoming more authentic, vulnerable, and honest. My podcasts explore the naked truths about how to get the most out of life by thriving, not just surviving. So join me as we uncover the most essential life hacking tips. There's a three-word phrase that is tossed around in self-help communities, but is actually incredibly hard to truly believe in and live by. And what's more, the opposite of this is often praised in movies and popular culture and education with the encouragement and even celebration of perfectionism. Just think about it. Looks of admiration when a colleague says that they had to pull in all-nighter to finish the project or silent nods of approval when a stay-at-home parent also reveals that the house is done, the dinner is ready, the kids are in bed, they manage to stay fit, healthy, social, they even have a part-time job. We've all been there where in one way or another, we've given our acclimate To someone who seems to be able to do it all and not make any mistakes along the way. So what's that three-word phrase? You are enough. Now let's get one thing straight. Believing you are enough is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for self-improvement and growth. It's not an excuse to stop working on yourself or developing your skills, or becoming a better friend, or mother, or son, or partner. The idea of believing that you're enough is about basic human rights and values. You are worthy of love, respect, kindness, attention, no matter what. You are enough, just the way you are To deserve all of those things. Your status, education, wealth, clothing, skills, and fame, they don't entitle you to these things. You and everyone else, you have a right to that love and respect and kindness by the sheer fact that you're a human being. You are enough. There's nothing more that you need to know, do, or have. Now, as you listen to me say that, what did you find yourself thinking? And be honest with yourself. Did you believe that to be true? Or was there some small voice in your head saying something to the effect of, that's a load of crap, or actually, I'm not enough? Because I have those voices all the time. These unhelpful, negative, sometimes they're all out destructive, This self-talk is what I call saboteurs, these inner voices that are not bringing us up. They're actually holding us down, holding us back. And of all the self talk saboteurs that humans carry around inside their heads, one of the most common villains in this group is the you are not enough voice. It says things like, you're not good enough you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not successful enough, you're not funny enough, you're not athletic enough. Is it starting to sound more familiar? Because I myself, and I'm in an intimate, regular conversation with the not smart enough, pretty enough, successful enough, or funny enough voices, among many others. I think about them daily. And so many of us tend to struggle with self-doubt, self-confidence, self-esteem, and we each have our own way of navigating it and trying to deal with it. Some of our strategies, are healthier than others. Sometimes we get into obsessions, we get into addictions, we get into distractions. There are so many ways that we compensate for not feeling good about ourselves. But perfectionism is also one such strategy. And it happens to be a particularly sneaky one because unlike addiction, for example, the behaviors that are associated with perfection are often publicly applauded. It was a road trip back to Berlin and my relationship with perfectionism that almost had me throw my dog out the window. (laughs) and i have a dog avishla who is my second dog my first dog's name was Oko. she was the same breed and with my first dog i was pretty chill about raising him perfectly because i knew he was my first dog so i didn't expect to get it right i made a lot of mistakes i learned a huge amount through books and my trainers and eventually we ended up with this incredible dog but it was a journey that was difficult because of the training and not because of the pressure, myself. But my second dog, because of everything I had learned from the first one, I actually took on the challenge that I'm gonna get this one perfect. And I'm gonna raise this perfect dog without getting stressed, without getting triggered, without having my buttons pushed like I had been in the first one, because now I know it all. Well, man was I in for a surprise because this puppy has been put in my life for a reason and it's to challenge my relationship with perfectionism. And there was no worse moment than Christmas driving from Barcelona to Berlin with a puppy. And over the course of this journey, this little guy scratched, squeaked, barked, and pulled every last strain of patience that I had within myself, such that by the time I arrived to Berlin, I turned to my partner and said, we are getting rid of him. (laughs) I was so angry, so upset. I was seeing sides of myself come out that I hadn't seen in years since I was a teenager because this little guy had managed to get me to such a raw and exposed place. And I know that the parents out there who are listening know exactly what I'm talking about. And the only reason I didn't give him away was because of the fear of shame and judgment that I envisioned on the faces of my friends when I would tell them I got rid of the dog. That image of being seen by others as having failed, as not having been able to make it with a puppy, not having been strong enough. The image of their disappointed and disapproving faces is why he's still here with me today. And actually, I'm so thankful for that because the last six months since then have been so much better. But they haven't been better because of him. I mean, he's been amazing the whole time. They've been better because I changed my relationship with perfectionism. I decided that I'm not going to put the same pressure on myself to get it right, to not get stressed. I'm going to embrace when I do get stressed, but then work on methods to ground myself and calm down rather than getting upset that I'm getting triggered altogether. And it's been a journey and it still is a journey of shifting from I'm going to do this perfectly and get everybody's praise for it to I'm going to make loads of mistakes and I am still enough. So as we explore perfectionism and this relationship between I am enough and you are enough, let's embrace the many places in our lives where we can apply this, including raising our children, raising our pets, interactions with our friends and our family, and of course, work and projects and goals, and self-development, because the inner dialogue around perfectionism pervades into every part of our lives until we do something about it. So let's start with what is perfectionism? And Brene Brown in Dare to Lead starts by describing what perfectionism is not. She writes, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievements and growth. It's a defensive move. It's not the self-protection we think it is. It's not self-improvement. Perfectionism is not about how I can improve. It's other-focused. What will other people think? It's not a way to avoid shame as a result of failure. Perfectionism is a function of shame. When I read this, honestly, the thoughts that I had in my mind were, holy crap. Like if this is not a slap in the face of all the validating voices, encouraging your perfectionism, I don't know what is. And if this is the first time you're hearing perfectionism described in this way, and it's feeling like a blow to your head, take a deep breath. It's okay you're not alone. Many of us have grown up believing that perfectionism is a good thing because we got praised for achievement. We got praised for getting good grades, doing well in sports, pleasing people around us. I got praised for performing a piano piece perfectly. I was never praised for when I made a mistake. So when you grow up in that system of pleasing other people and following rules and doing what you're told to do, of course it becomes motivating to get that approval from other people. And you earn and yearn for it as an adult. But here's what she goes on to say that I think really uh, adds the final nail to the coffin here. She writes, perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect, And do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. That's mind-blowing, right? This idea that actually perfectionism is self-destructive because it's moving us towards an ideal that doesn't exist. And in trying to get to that ideal, the very thing that we're running away from is the thing we then end up feeling when we don't reach that ideal, right? We might feel inadequate. We might feel imperfect. We might feel like we're at fault for something. And so we try to cover that with perfectionism. And then, because perfectionism doesn't exist, when we don't reach that perfect final goal, we end up feeling the exact things that we are trying to cover up and run away from. And what's so interesting is that this is, of course, a vicious cycle, Right? We feel these things, whatever they are that we're trying to run away from, in order to not feel them and not expose them, we try to cover them with perfectionism. And then when we don't reach that perfectionism and don't reach that perfect end point, we end up blaming ourselves even more for not having been good enough. So let me just check in with you, how is all of this for you perfectionists out there who've maybe identified positively with your perfectionism in your lives, how is all of this landing with you now? Because I know that for me as someone who has embraced and been proud of my perfectionism, there's a firework of reactions that go off in my head when I start thinking that perfectionism might be a false paradigm that sets me up for failure. Now there is one voice in particular, the loudest of all of them, that is actually my saboteur voice, the voice of perfectionism itself, telling me that this whole thing that I just read to you from Bernays Brook is a load of crap and actually a justification and rationalization for poor performance. But that's the voice of the perfectionist saboteur getting defensive because There's also my insecurity saboteur voice telling me that what other people think of me does matter, right? That's the voice of self-doubt that is motivating this kind of reliability or reliance, dependability on other people's view of me. And then there's the armored ego voice that says, I don't have any shame or fears I'm running away from, so ha, And that voice is motivated by fear, by denial, by not wanting to feel my own vulnerability and pain. So those are some of my reactions. What's going on in you? Because behind all of those initial fearful, panicky voices that are threatened by the possibility of having the perfectionism palace fall apart, Behind all of that, there's a quieter, more soft-spoken voice that I also feel wants to be heard and is asking me, but what if it's true? What if all my efforts to look and sound and act a certain way have been motivated by a belief that only when I get the approval of others am I actually deserving of being loved and respected? And when I listen to that voice, I start to feel my perfectionism, house of cards, ideology start to crumble. And in its absence, rather than emptiness, if I feel into it, there's instead this surprisingly powerful feeling that starts to come through of groundedness and calm. it's a realization that those external validations that i've been working towards they're not only fake trophies but they're even destructive in nature and i start to notice my attention shifting from being externally focused and consumed to orienting more inwards And I'm sharing this journey with you as I encourage you to tap into your own. Because with this shift from external to internal, I become aware that when I drop my objective to be the best in the eyes of others and rather orient towards being the best that I can be, I can both simultaneously believe in the idea of I am enough while also feeling enormous energy for self-improvement, growth, and achievement. Right? This seeming tension that we talked about before between these two beliefs, this idea that if I accept I'm enough, then it would stop me or prevent me from wanting to achieve and grow and stretch. Right? That tension When I focus my attention inwards, it starts to melt away. I begin to understand that success isn't about measuring up against the expectations and achievements of others, as we've often been told it should be. Real success is about an inner drive to expand my own creativity and resourcefulness and the joy of learning and growing that happens while I'm doing that, this inner motivation, it has the possibility to drive me way further than when I'm only, quote unquote, driven to beat others. And there are amazing accounts of this happening at the highest level of performance. There are stories about Olympic athletes driven to reach gold for their entire lives only to find that once they actually achieve it, fall into a deep depression when they no longer have anyone else to be better than. I think that's fascinating. And this links beautifully with Carol Dweck's work on fixed versus growth mindset. Right? Noticing the drive to perform because you want to please others, because you want to be praised by others, and because you attach your self-worth to the appreciation that others give you versus being driven to perform for your own motivation and exploration out of an inner drive, an inner source that keeps you going. And that's what letting go of perfectionism and accepting that I am enough is about. And it's not easy. And I'm clearly a work in progress around this as much as anyone else because implementing it versus just talking about it are two (laughs) totally different things. So as you simmer in your own thoughts, noticing your belief systems and how you might have some new ones that are challenging old ones, I want to end with some concrete actions, some practices and tools that you can use to begin strengthening your confidence in the I am enough belief. And with that, build a new relationship with your mindset around how you relate to challenges and tasks and projects and requests and anything else where it's so easy to fluctuate away from a growth mindset into more of a fixed one. And I actually have a whole list of ideas that you can try, practices that are helpful for working on your perfectionism. If you go to my blog, you'll see on my website a link to a perfectionist blog, and you can see some of the other tips there, but I want to offer you here three of them that I think are particularly important. And then if you want to see the rest, you can check that out online. And the first one is around how we relate to challenges and specifically it has to do with embracing challenges as opportunities for growth. And I'm really focusing here on the aspect around embrace because the practice is to start looking at challenges that you face as not something that you try to avoid or minimize, because you connect the success of how you get through that challenge with your worthiness, but rather as real opportunities for learning something about yourself and through that growing. Because when you embrace challenge, when you start to develop a certain kind of resilience and tolerance and even appetite for challenge, it means that we start to see those situations with more of a positive attitude because we see them as stretching us rather than threatening us, as growing our image, reputation, ability, rather than putting it at risk because it exposes where we don't know something or where we're not competent at something. So that is an invitation to start looking for challenges, specifically doing things that are difficult, specifically doing something that is new, specifically doing something that is hard, just to get comfortable with that feeling of being challenged, that feeling of being uncomfortable, that feeling of noticing what it's like when we stretch away from our comfort zone into the zone of fear, and then eventually zones of learning and growth. So embracing challenges as an opportunity for growth is the first mindset shift that is accompanying certain tools like taking on challenging tasks with intention that can allow you to reframe and rework some of the perfectionist beliefs that you might be still holding on to. The second mindset shift is to cultivate a curious, learning-oriented approach to life. And this has to do with, in general, learning how to develop curiosity. The focus here is on curiosity. And it involves making a habit of seeking out new information, asking questions when you don't know a situation or don't know content, even if it will make you look stupid or uninformed, and just making it a habit to try new things. So those new things might also be challenging things like uh, related then to the first tip, but it doesn't have to be. It could also just be something new and getting used to trying new things for the purpose of getting curious about things we're not normally interested in. And I know it sounds weird, but maybe you take an activity that you particularly find boring, whatever that might be. Maybe it's, I mean, for me, for example, it would be anything having to do with numbers or Excel or flowcharts or PowerPoint slides. And... Leaning into it and trying to find something that can spark your curiosity. Something that can pull you in, hook you in, get you interested to wanting to know more. And the first part of that is often to notice the biases and the assumptions and the judgments that we have when we find something boring, right? I find Excel boring. And so I just immediately assume that any task that involves creating an Excel sheet is going to bore me. And there my bias has kicked in and prevented me from actually potentially learning something and trying something new. And why is that bias there? Well, for many of us, often the things that we find boring are things that we don't think we're particularly good at or we don't get energy from, or that we don't think we're going to be able to showcase our skills. And suddenly we're back in a conversation about perfectionism again. So the skill of this second mindset shift is really around Learning how to get comfortable and able to turn on your curiosity skill set, even when you find something boring, especially when you find something boring. And the third mindset shift that I want to talk about here is such an important one. You've heard it for sure in other contexts, and it's always worth reiterating, which is to embrace failure as a stepping stone, not a setback. So a growth mindset approach involves viewing failures as real opportunities to grow, things that we are thankful for because otherwise we wouldn't know where we should grow, rather than as a negative outcome that we should have avoided if we could have. And this helps us foster a perseverance that allows us to push through and approach failure with a positive attitude rather than seeing it as a blemish on our credibility or ability. And so the practice here is when the next time happens where you make a mistake or there's a failure, notice the very first second when the inner self-critic jumps in to blame you and attack you for having screwed up and what that's going to mean when other people find out. And instead, I want you to replace that voice with the following Statement, this failure has happened for a reason. It's teaching me something important. What does it want me to know? That's the third mindset. Embrace failure as a stepping stone, not a setback. So those are three. Embrace challenges, opportunities for growth. Cultivate a curious learning oriented approach and embrace failure as a stepping stone, not a setback. For other tips, feel free to check out the blog where you can see my other tips around how to use other people to help with these mindsets and start shifting them, how you can focus on process to help you do that, the role of feedback, the importance of reframing limiting beliefs and self-talk, and how to use receptivity to new experiences, all as ways to start to change those old beliefs and patterns that we may have been holding for a long time around what it means to be perfect. So as we close this podcast, I want you to ditch perfectionism and embrace yourself by affirming that you are enough. By adopting this kind of growth mindset that we've been talking about and focusing on progress over perfection, your self-development and life will be happier and more fulfilling. So go ahead, start shifting and playing around with those mindsets. And remember, you've got this. Just being you is enough you've been listening to the you are what you think podcast a podcast dedicated to you living your best life by exploring the naked truths for how to thrive not just survive if you enjoyed this podcast check out some of my other episodes and please subscribe to find out about new ones You can also find me on Instagram, as well as my website, danielludovic.com. Subscribe on those platforms for daily content, inspiration, and the latest schedule for my live workshops and classes. Wishing you a wonderful day and see you soon.